Good afternoon. This is the Joy of the Lord podcast. And this is Brother Bob Deacon Downs. And we've come this afternoon to uh, rejoice in the gladness that our hearts have. For he has made us glad. Remember that old song? He has made me glad, he has made me glad, I will rejoice for he has made me glad, he has made me glad, he has made me glad, I will rejoice for he has made me glad, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say to the Lord, I can't remember the rest. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and many of the old hymns and, and praise songs from several de- decades past and several centuries have passed. But uh, it is true, he gives us gladness, the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness. Oh, wow, the garment of praise exchanged for the spirit of heaviness. We no longer are without hope, pilgrims and strangers, without God in the world, but we are his people. We who were once not a people are now the very people set apart for him, the people of God. And we just want to give thanks to him today and just uh, experience the gladness that he's given us in knowing our sins are forgiven. We have peace with the Father. Uh, We will not be judged. Um, And uh, it's not because of what we've done. It's because because of what Jesus has done in Calvary. What God has purposed in his foreknowledge, in his eternal mercies, which are new every day. You remember that passage, I think that was the same. It's in Jeremiah. It says, I have loved you. Have. Isn't that past tense? I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means eternal. So he has chosen us from eternity past. And uh, not by works that we might boast. We can't brag in the fact that he set us apart for him. We'd be thankful in it and glad. We can rest from our work knowing that his completed work at Calvary was all that was needed. We can't add to it. We certainly can't can't take it away. We can't sin enough that he will uh, abandon us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. And uh, or uh, forget you. He won't, uh, you know. Our sins, by the way, have been forgotten. They're as far as the east is from the west. Uh, in the sea of forgetfulness. And he has made me glad. How about that? It is by grace we've been saved through faith and not of works that we might boast. It is the free gift of God. And doesn't that make you glad? I know it makes me glad. So our key scripture on this uh, segment of the Joy of the Lord podcast is Psalm 4, verse 7 through 8, reads as follows. You have put gladness in my heart, more than in the season uh, 
fat, their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can rest from our works. And knowing we have a Jehovah, a Jireh, a Lord who provides for us, He provides for us new mercies every day, and His faithfulness is great indeed. But uh, clearly, there's a passage that says this in the New Testament that He has given to us uh, through the knowledge of Christ all that we need for life and godliness in the knowledge of Christ and the atonement available through his blood and how thankful we are for that let us pray oh Lord my God I thank you for anointing me with the oil of gladness I will always serve you with gladness and come before you and your presence with singing the gladness you give to me is my hope Father, you have put everlasting joy upon my head, and you have given me a gladness and joy. I will rejoice in you always, Lord, because I know your joy is my strength. <laughs> in Jeremiah 8.10, it is written there. In Wait, that's not, that's not Jeremiah. What is it? I've forgotten that prophet's name. Oh, my goodness. But... Um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Wow. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> I will rejoice in you always, Lord, because I know your joy is my strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, amen. And our passages, um, oh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8.10. There it is, Nehemiah 8.10. In Nehemiah it is written there in Nehemiah 8 it is written there in Nehemiah 8 it is written there for the joy of the Lord is my strength hallelujah then there's Psalms 7 verse 3 Psalm 45 verse 7 Psalms 100 verse 2 Proverbs 10 verse 28 Isaiah 51:11 and 1 Thessalonians 5:16 and uh, Philippians 3:8 and uh, you know word the word of God itself and not only is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit and bone and marrow and the discerner of thoughts we can keep no secrets from him remember Jesus many times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it said he knew what men were made of, and he knew it was in their hearts. When he was accusing the Pharisees, he said, why do you doubt me? Because he knew. He knew what they were made of, what was in their hearts. So we just want to give gladness and radiate gladness to all that we come in contact with today. And Father, we just bless and thank and praise you that uh, we have the oil of gladness. We have the Holy Spirit to set us apart onto you, that down payment of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. And we just bless and praise and thank you 
In the name of our Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we just want to meditate upon these things. Listen again. Listen many times. Look up Jeremiah 8.10. Wait, 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 wait. It's not Jeremiah. <laughs> it's, um... My goodness, it went right out of my head again. Well, you, you just listen again and you'll find out. But, uh, oh, well, it's uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8.10. And look it up. But this is the way to, if you want to be built up in your most holy faith, uh, let him talk to you. How does he talk to you? Through his word. I remember when I was uh, really just born again, uh, fresh in Christ. And someone told me that I had been oppressed by the devil. Um, and he was kind of, he had that gift where he, he could discern... Um, there was a plan uh, by the adversary to to uh, help me, well, to hurt me. <laughs> Remember that passage that says, God has a plan for our life, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. But what is Satan's plan? Jesus tells us in John 10.10, 10, uh, he has a plan for our life too, to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, the Lord Jesus says, that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. And uh, we need to you know, meditate upon God's word because the gladness is found there. He has made us glad. I will rejoice for he has made us glad. And he tells us, tell us, us, us uh, all about his redemptive plan for mankind throughout history, throughout all generations, through Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Isn't it good to know? If it is, tell somebody. <laughs> Don't keep it to yourself. Be glad all over the place. And uh, glad tidings to you for the rest of the day. We look forward to speaking with you on the next occasion from the joy uh, of the Lord podcast. And um, keep on looking up. Look and wait and hope on him for his glorious appearance. Because uh, he will come one, one day, once more. And if he tarry, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But when he comes, every eye will see him. <laughs> his glorious appearance. So keep on looking up. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. It's Brother Bob. Bye. Good morning. This is the Joy of the Lord podcast. This is Brother Bob. Deacon Downs, welcoming you this morning to our morning devotional scriptural reading. And uh, we're going to start today with the, the notion or the idea of uh, impediment that um, 
that brings about our difficulties where we end up hurting. We're hurting because of our sick, uh, sin-sick souls. And um, the biblical remedy, of course, if you are hurting due to the consequences of your sinful behavior, there's only one way to experience complete cleansing and healing, and that is to acknowledge and confess your sins to God. If you don't, they stay in the recesses of your heart and soul. Unconfessed sin will always affect your thoughts and actions in ways that will hurt your relationship with God, as well as with other people. And confessing sin is not always easy to do, but the results are glorious and freeing. The weight of sin is instantly lifted, and God's healing balm of forgiveness and restoration brings indescribable joy and peace. Let's take a look at the Psalm, the book of Psalms, uh, verse 30, chapter 32, verse 5. Psalm 32, verse 5, as follows. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verse 5. Psalm 32, verse 5. Let's repeat it. Let's uh, contemplate this. Think upon this. And let's read. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 32, verse 5. Another passage on the same subject. Um, Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Let's repeat that. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. So great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from him. And I have misread that from us, we who need to confess sin. So as for the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy 
toward those who fear him. And what's meant by fear is to respect, to reverence, to esteem him higher than all. Uh, For he is the most high. (laughs) And uh, so as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Again, that's uh, Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12. Now let's look at the book of Proverbs, which reads as follows. Proverbs, by the way, 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Let's read it again. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So as long as you hide and cover, don't you know he knows all things? When Jesus was on earth in the Gospels, When the Pharisees doubted him, he questioned them. Why do you doubt me? And the scripture said of Jesus, for he knew what what was in them, what they were made of. He knew what men were made of. He knew all things. He knew he doubted and questioned them. He was not fooled. How can we hide from the Holy One who knows all things? He's all sovereign, of course, all powerful, everywhere present, and all knowing. These are his divine attributes, so he's all knowing. How can we, who are sinful, hide anything from him? He says it all. All our sins are laid bare at our feet. So he who covers up his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes their sins will receive mercy. Again, that's uh, Proverbs 28, verse 13. Now let's go to the book, book of Romans and see what the solution is ultimately. Let's say, I mean, if you're running from him, it's in vain because there's nothing that he cannot see. He knows all things. And he knows He knows what we are made of. Born apart from him, separate from him. Not seeking him, wanting our own way. Until we come to that point of... uh, 
let's say, a heart that's reconciled to the fact that they're, well, that their arms are too short to box with God. (laughs) You can't fight him. And when you look at your sin and see it as he sees it, and it's laid bare before you and you see it for what it is, you become like uh, the prophet Isaiah who said, uh, Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwelt, I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. I am undone. But it says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's repeat that again. This is crucial to coming clean. To come before God in brokenness, confessing your waywardness and your utter helplessness to do anything about it. We have to know who can do something about it and who has done something in our in our stead. It says here. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's Romans 9, uh, 10, Romans 10, 9 through 10. My goodness. Now, let's move on to Nehemiah 1, 5 through 7, which says, I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear that, you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, with the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Wow. Let's pray that. Let's pray pray that. Let's uh, read that again. Uh, And perhaps we can use that in a way as a form of a prayer. I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes opened that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, 
for the children of Israel and your servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. That's Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. And let us move now on to Hebrews 10, 19 through, oh, 10, 19 and verse 22. 10, 19 and verse 22. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. It's Hebrews 19, oh, 10, 19 and verse 22 in the New Living Translation. And lastly, let's go to Psalm 51, verse 1 through 2, and verse 7, reading as follows. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That's Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2, and verse 7. It's a beautiful old uh, praise song. I don't know, maybe, I don't know what decade. It was originated from, but uh, you probably heard this. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins be as scarlet, Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven by the power of your love. By the wonder of your blood. Oh. I, I, must, I mustn't go on. I'm not much of a singer, but I, it just touches my heart. The Spirit of God has just uh, come over me in a rush. <laughs> and I, I couldn't go on because I'm just... Um, I'm recognizing His mercies are new every day. And none of us uh, escape his far-reaching search. His continual eye is upon us. And even though we've trusted Christ, we still sin. There's an enemy uh, who prowls about like a roaring lion waiting for whom he may devour. And his mission statement is to kill, steal, and destroy. But thank the Lord that what he's done for us cannot be dashed. We cannot dash it all. Uh, We cannot lose our salvation. He said, I will be with you always, even till the end. 
And no one can snatch you out of my hand. And no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And so what he starts in our lives, that good work he begins, he's faithful, though we be not. He's faithful to complete the good work he began in our lives. Ah, through Christ Jesus. He is someone who doesn't fail. We fail him, but he will not fail us. What did he say? What did the Lord Jesus say at Calvary before he gave up the ghost? He said, it is finished. Meaning he's done for us all that's necessary. And we can't dash it all away. We can't, uh, we can't upend what he began. Because again, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So he starts this relationship we have with him, if we have it at all. And none of us who are his knows, really, who is and who isn't amongst the redeemed. So far be it from us to be negligent or lapse in sharing the gospel with everyone we meet, for we know not when we'll have that opportunity again. And we don't know who is called of God, who is the elect, and we don't know who isn't. But we all know we start off far from him. We who are the very people of God, the holy priesthood, the holy nation, the royal priesthood, who've been separated onto him, started off far from him pilgrims and strangers apart from the covenants and promises of God without hope and without God in the world but but for his loving kindness his mercies think of this I love the passage again in Jeremiah which says um, he has loved us past tense has loved us, past tense, with an everlasting love, with an eternal love, a love that saves, a love that can redeem, a love that can turn about what seems uh, circumstances beyond our control. There's nothing beyond his mighty power to save. Hallelujah. My God is mighty to save. There's another song I love. It's kind of a, almost sounds like a youth group kind of song. It sounds, you know, a little puerile or infantile. But, you know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And who can really understand him and all his complexities? How can we understand the one who is holy when we are sinful? How can we understand a mind that's infinite when we are finite? How can we understand the depths of his love? The height, the width, the breadth. For we, apart from him, can't love to that measure. It's only through him that we understand to some extent 
that love, but we can experience it whether we understand it or not. Because we have been given a down payment on our inheritance in the faith, the Holy Spirit, who comes about and takes our heart of stone, which is flinty and rebellious towards him, uh, hard-hearted and impenitent, and he makes it a heart of flesh, soft to his touch and tender to his will. He gives us the understanding of his great love, and he gives us the genuine, real experience of that love on behalf of us through Jesus. And he, he takes our hearts of stone and makes them able to love him with all we have and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we love ourselves pretty darn good, don't we? It's true, we love ourselves very well indeed, but we have to we have to love our neighbors ourselves. How do we do it? It's only through him and through the gospel, which takes that heart of stone and makes it a heart of flesh. And this is the initial evidence of salvation. It's a Theologians have a term for it. It's not coming right to my mind. I'm kind of vamping here for for that word, but it basically means salvation is an act of God's. He enacts that changing of our heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He he and only he can do that. We can't do that apart from him. And uh So it is a great gift. Faith uh, cometh by love. And we know we love him because he first loved us. So we're called into this relationship in spite of the fact that we were far from him, not wanting, uh, not wanting, not even desiring, living totally for ourselves, not wanting him to rule over us, not bowing our knees, not in obeisance, falling upon our face and realizing and recognizing what a wretched man I am. You know, but only by his grace, only by his intervention and his grace do we grasp the fact that we are wretched. Only by his grace. So we come with that great understanding that this salvation, if we've experienced it, is a gift of God. And we can't boast in it, for it is a miraculous thing. It's God reaching down from eternity past and loving us in spite of our waywardness, our wickedness, our inclination to want to be God, in effect, (laughs) and be sovereign over our own lives. He allows that brokenness that comes, coming to the end of ourself and recognizing there is nothing within us that is redeemable. And we can't redeem ourselves. We are helplessly drawn in rebellion to him and to sin 
and it's only by his miraculous intervention that our hearts of stone, flinty, and rebellious and penitent come to that end and see there is nothing good within us. All those things we prided ourselves in are as, uh, well, as Dung, as Paul said, all that he attained by being a Pharisee of Pharisees, all those righteous acts that the law required that he seemed to meet outwardly, he recognized they were all dung. And he said, I wish only to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, died, and buried, who rose again on the third day. So if you haven't made that that place, uh, that peace offering, if you will, that come to that place of being done with yourself. Until that happens. Uh, so let's pray. Let's pray right now. And pray that um, if you haven't trusted Jesus, that you will take this time and this moment to trust him for your soul's salvation. It says again in Romans 8, 9, and 10, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, conf- to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And by the way, that's uh, instead, I've made a mistake. <laughs> That is uh, from Romans, and uh, Romans, I think it's one eight, <laughs> but it's. Um, see if I can find the passage again. I had my Bible open to that, um, but look up Romans nine, nine and ten, and let's pray. Father, I am not a stranger to the awareness that I live for myself and myself alone. I have not sought you. I have not wanted you to have a sovereign reign over my life or to acknowledge that you even exist. But Lord, you have cracked open You're incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. Your light, your light of understanding has now pushed my darkness open but a crack, but it's all that's necessary. For now I can see what the prophet Isaiah was speaking about when he said, Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. I am undone. I'm a dead man. I have no recourse. But I've heard the gospel. And if there is but a chance that there is hope that I can turn from my waywardness and come into sonship 
with a holy God, for which I am wretched and I truly don't deserve pardon. But I take this step of faith and lean with my whole personality, all my heart, on the offer of peace with God through the redemption afforded me, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scripture says, He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. Help me, Father. I trust your Son and his substitutionary death on my behalf. Wash me with his blood. Make my sins, though they be as scarlet, as white as snow. Make me your child. Change me, for I have no simply no other recourse. I am not equipped to live my life in rebellious, reckless abandon against the Holy One who has made me.